In today's deeply reflective episode, Nicole and Naomi engage in a candid discussion about the challenges and transformations that life's most difficult moments can bring. From navigating a divorce to the broader implications of making life-altering decisions, this conversation delves into the ways in which our toughest experiences shape us. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is intended for a mature audience. Episodes may be triggering, and you are only encouraged to listen further if you are of sound mind. If ever in immediate distress, please dial 911 or reach out to your local emergency support service providers. Never forget that your feelings matter and that this difficult time will eventually pass. Don't ever be ashamed to ask for the help that you need. The views, opinions, and the information expressed on this program are those of the individuals involved and do not constitute professional advice. We are not responsible for any losses, damages, or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast. This program is an extension of Nicole's life's work, and if you'd like to financially support our collective mission of elevating consciousness and eradicating poverty, please consider becoming a paid Growth Seekers Welcome Member. For just $1 a day, your sponsorship contribution helps us produce insightful episodes like this. Plus, you'll enjoy special member-only perks like events and private Q&As with Nicole. You can learn more at growthseekerswelcome.com. Your attention and support mean everything. If you receive value from what you hear, please leave a thoughtful rating and review on your preferred listening app and share the show with friends and family. Your encouragement is greatly appreciated. What has been the biggest challenge that you have so far overcome in your life? And what was the greatest lesson you've learned from that? What a question to start with. <laughs> um, I think my biggest challenge so far, I mean, I've been very privileged. Uh, so I don't think anything has been particularly overwhelming because I've always had great support, but definitely going through my divorce was, um, I, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, I think after the divorce, I learned a lot about um, what I did for other people and what I did for me. And it's still very important for me to serve other people, to help other people live a better life, but there were a lot of decisions I made about my career, about the things that I enjoyed and that I focused my effort and energy on that were because I thought it's what other people wanted me to do. Um, and so I spent a lot of time just reflecting on the choices I made because someone else needed it and the choices I made because I needed it. That's great. And how did that awareness serve you moving forward? First, I learned to take a pause. Uh, when I got my divorce, I decided I wasn't going to make any big decisions or career moves for about a year. Um, and I learned the value behind giving myself space and time and not feeling rushed. And that's something that I've taken now into my career uh, as a PhD student and a, a scientist to take my time when I need it. And what does that look like in the practical 
in your day-to-day living as, as you're working? Yeah, I think learning to say no is big. I'm not very good at that. I tend to be a people pleaser. And the thing about the type of research that I value that I like to do is it relies on a relationship with other people um, and it relies on relational accountability. And if I'm not taking my time and allowing that to grow, then I notice that the work I do feels more jumbled. I worry that I stray from what maybe my research participants have to say, and I begin to bring my own bias into it. Um, So it turns out that learning to give myself time to pause and reflect on what I need also allows me to extend that to other people. And in the end, both of us benefit from it. Absolutely. And I didn't mean to cut you off what you were going to say something else, but I'm so glad I jumped you. I I did jump in and and pause (laughs) you there because I think that is really profound um, for people to understand what taking a pause really looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, so before I came to school, I worked in the mental health field and I talked a good game to other people about reflecting on what they need and how taking care of themselves helps the people around them too. But I wasn't always good at following my own advice, but I now see that this makes me better at my job as well. I love that you're bringing that up because that is how we as society are living, right? Like if you look at social media, you look at media in general, anywhere you look, you can find the messages that you want to see and that you want to hear. And as we take those messages and we just regurgitate them without understanding why we're attracted to that message or what the underlying um, vibration is, as we're just parroting and we're just regurgitating, we're, we're further disconnecting from what we're saying. And so that's, I just love that you brought that up because I see that I've, I've worked in crisis and mental health and all sorts of different environments and, and media and all different things over the last nearly, you know, 40 years. And um, it is, it is just so abundant um, that people don't, that the people don't know what they're saying and they don't, right. they don't really understand themselves. And so they're, it's the blind leading the blind. They're just feeding, feeding, feeding words <laughs> into an already dysfunctional machine. Right. And the challenge as a scientist, and I, I specialize in qualitative methods. So I do interviews and I'm learning to do visual methods and uh, observations and ethnography um the thing about it is like you said we we intake and regurgitate regurgitate and if i am not taking the time to understand my bias and my privilege then it's hard for me to do good science and i i think that's loaded i i say good science um for lack of a better term but it makes me better at what I do when I learn to see all of the sides of things and pay attention to them. And and I say that uh, that's doing good life, right? So I think good is a good word personally, because 
it's just pure. It's just clean, right? It's like when you're doing good work, you're doing honest work, you're doing authentic work. And if, if the waters are murky, you, you don't have clean data, you can't not have the same kind of impact as if it's yeah. fresh and clear and, and without impurities, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think taking our time, understanding who we are, um, you know, so I, I work in public health. That's uh, my, my degree is in health behavior. And we are learning to be better about how to recognize what we bring to the table. Um, our emotions, our ideas, the things we care about, they do find their way into our research, no matter how objective we are, even if we're simply doing numbers and surveys and statistics, part of ourselves still ends up in the papers we publish. And so I think when we learn to accept who we are and learn to accept what we do bring into our work, it makes our work more compelling, makes it more relevant for the people who will eventually read it and use it. Um, and, you know, so there's there's room for emotion in science and objectivity isn't necessarily the gold standard, but in order for our science to be ethical and to be strong, we have to navigate that with good intention. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ethics are such a huge thing and they're subjective. And I think that, you know, I often refer to this, I think what you were saying is really appreciating our gifts and graces. When we know mm -hmm. who we are and we know what we bring to the table and we understand why we bring it to the table, we can detach from that and get curious about things without getting emotional about them, if that makes any yeah. sense, right? Absolutely. I love that idea of being curious, being <laughs> curious about ourselves, uh, being curious about why people feel the way they do. That's one of my favorite words. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so what else? Is there anything else that, um, because again, like we've kind of gone, veered off from, I interrupted you and then just keeps going, which is what I love, but I also okay. feel like there may have been something else you wanted to share about a learning um, through your divorce. Yeah, um, I learned a lot about my faith. That was huge. Uh, and I know that that's something important to you too. So I would love to talk about that and how that I incorporate that into my professional life as well. Um, I grew up with parents who introduced me to church, to Christian church um, very early on. And who also encouraged me to ask questions and not just take things at face value, which I really appreciate. Um, when I got divorced, I was in a church that uh, the leadership did their best to support us and to care for us. Um, but it felt very much like maintaining our marriage was the goal and not caring for us as individuals. And, you know, the end of a marriage is sad, but I think that my, my ex-husband asked for the divorce. And I think for him, that was his last great act of love for me because he knew 
we weren't both going to be able to be fulfilled or to reach our potential staying together. Um, but I learned that I needed to understand where people were coming from, but also the lessons that I had maybe accepted at face value against the uh, guidance of my family. Those were probably destructive, um, you know, good intention is important, but the action is important too. And so I, that's when I really started to pick apart the lessons that I'd learned in, especially the evangelical church and, um, what reflected the, the life that Jesus led. That's something that is very important to me. What, what reflected that and what didn't. Um, and again, that's going back to that idea of picking apart what I was doing for other people and what I was doing that was authentic to me and what I needed. Um, and so, you know, people talk a lot about deconstruction these days, and I don't know if that's um, the world that you or your listeners are encountering a lot, but that's the best word that I have found recently to describe what I went through. The other word is distilling. Uh, I learned, I, I was forced to find a way to cling to faith that is still very important to me. And also um, learn what, what bill of goods I was being sold. And pick it apart with the intention and the desire to continue my own journey as a Christ follower. Um, that was tough. It felt really isolating. Um, I lost my husband, but I also lost my community because I ended up leaving that church. And I, it was hard for me to find. It, <laughs> it was in the middle of the pandemic as well. So you know, I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't seeing my friends in person. So I, I'm thankful I had my family to help me. They're 12 hours away. So physically I was navigating this alone. And, um, it, and that's, you know, that's how I ended up in my van. That's how I met you. I had to figure out what about God and what about religion and about um, the Bible and my belief system was uh, reflective of my values and what was reflective of the values of something other people made that truly suppresses um, people who are different from them. Absolutely. It's, it's a container, right? And in order to create worlds, in order to build anything, in order to do something, you have to apply pressure and change happens once there's the pressure, right? With every action, reaction, and so on. I'm not a scientist, you are. So you could probably explain this better than <laughs> I can for, for the broader audience. But there's God is infinite. And it does not matter whether you use the term God or you use the term collective consciousness or you use the term whatever right like there's if you understand that there is a higher power 
then and that you emanated from it you're in physical form but you're not solely physical your soul is spiritual right and so if you understand that you get to have a personal relationship with god and as yeah. someone yeah. who follows jesus if you are following jesus as an example then you are living as the example of truth as you understand it to be in your core right and that's mm -hmm. what it comes down to is our core beliefs the mental health crisis that i believe people go through and that we are at large going through is because the inner voice cannot continue to be contained there is so much conflict and pain and hurt in the world and when we see it happening and we understand how it's happening and we understand that it's happening and we understand why it's happening to that degree that we understand that we must become better for it does that make any sense mm -hmm. yeah definitely I mean I think if you were to accept that there's something bigger outside of you especially um if you believe that you are part of it or you came from it, you know, for myself believing I was created as a Mago Dei, you know, the image of God, um, we're also accountable to it. And that means we're accountable to each other as fellow creation. And when we treat each other that way, um, the world's a lot better. If I treat other people, even people who uh, don't agree with me or people who mean me harm as people who are also image, then, you know, maybe I might experience temporary harm myself, but in the long run, that makes a better society. Um, I feel, you know, personally from, I guess, maybe more of a self-serving standpoint, I feel better when I know I've treated somebody well um, in that way. And I feel connected to something bigger. Like you said, we have this mental health crisis, especially in the United States. And I think so much of it is because we've spent a lot of time living without accountability to something outside of ourselves. Or something inside of ourselves, right? Or the something inner. inside. Yeah, absolutely. It's that spiritual nature because we are in form through form so we come in through the physical parents but the spirit beyond the spirit inside the spirit that is creating and, and allowing us to do life that's inside of us yeah and it connects us to each other right because we all have it we all have the potential for it and when we live outside of that connection things kind of start to fall apart a bit yeah because we feel the same. And people don't realize that, that our connection, people look at the physical and they say, well, you don't look like me, or they listen, they say, you don't sound like me. I don't like you because of this. You don't smell like me or whatever the case may be. But when we back it up and we understand, you know, what if you couldn't see? What if you couldn't hear? What if you couldn't smell? What if you couldn't taste? You'd have to use your other senses. And when all of those senses are engaged or when you shut down the the primary senses that we use right the surface senses of being able to see and to hear auditory and visual 
cues and you just have to sense the energy, you know there's a being in your space. You know there is another participant in form. And when you understand that that participant is just a vessel as you're a vessel, then we know that inside we're the same. Feelings that we have connect us. Everybody knows what pain is. Even though people will say, you don't know my pain because you haven't walked my path. Pain is pain. Love is love. Conditions are conditions. It does not matter what the conditions are. Conditions in and of themselves are conditions. When we remember where we came from and we understand that we are here for the journey of life, we are here coming in as peace. We come in, we live a lifetime and then we leave the earth and our presence is still experienced by those we leave behind in physical form. And so when people remember that and understand that feelings are universal, that's non-physical, then the conditions, they don't matter as much. There's not as much difference, right? We can back up and back off of the details. They say the devil's in the details, right? You can back out of the details take a broader perspective and understand that God loves or peace or whatever it is that you believe, right? A lot of people get charged up about religion and terminology, and I'm not here to offend anybody, but I'm constantly going to trigger you because that's why I'm here. That's what I know to be true. And that's what going through my you know, spiritual awakening, if you will, through going through a death experience and then the terminal prognosis mm -hmm. and yada, 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 and all the things that I experienced in my life from my husband trying to kill me and getting divorced to, you know, miscarriage and, you know, being a kid that was abused and all these different things, they have taught me lessons along the way. And through my experience, my spiritual awakening, again, for lack of a better term, I was gifted the understanding that my work in the world is to trigger people, is to speak truth, is to talk about life and death, and to get people thinking for themselves. Because I, Nicole Holland, do not have all the answers for anybody. But what I do know as Nicole Holland is that everybody does have the answers inside of them. They just don't tend to dig yeah. very deep. And we deep. have the ability to find answers. It, it's funny what... I think being exposed to the idea of death, especially your own, it's amazing what what it uncovers. You know, people talk about like there's no atheists in a foxhole and to an extent, yeah, you have to come to terms real quick with what things are going to look like when you're no longer a physical being on the planet. Well, and I never sought that out. I never considered myself spiritual per se. I mean, I've been an ordained minister for, you know, two decades and I did my holistic healthcare and I'm a Reiki master and I've done all these different things in life. But the reason for me to do any of those things was out of exploration and out of my own zest for life and the mm -hmm. joie de vivre, right? The wanting, the experience. I've always been an experience recognizer. So I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't looking for faith. I wasn't looking for anything. I was having these experiences and I lived a life without regrets. I have been very self-aware. I've I did my life, my transformational life coaching certification and, you know, 20 years ago. And long before that, I was 
involved in personal development, professional development. And so I've just always been a growth seeker and self-actualizing was my path before I got sick. I needed to go through the physical death experience and the terminal prognosis and all these other things so that I could teach people from a new understanding, a new knowing. And um, I thank you for, you know, chatting with me and letting me kind of process through this because I'm still trying to figure out how to share this in the world in a way that doesn't sound absolutely <laughs> nuts <laughs> because it was nuts, you know, going through it. And, and the closer you get to pure non-physical, whether that's the beginning of your life or the end of your life, the closer you are to source, the more intense your messages are. And you can do that in many ways through med meditation. And, you know, there's just so many tools that we have collectively uncovered since the beginning of time and passed on. And, you know, the Bible, the, the Torah, the, the, the Quran, the, you know, all of these different tools for teaching people how to express a life well lived and to be at peace they're all from the good they're all for the good and so when we can remember that we're all experiencing life simultaneously and that what we do moment to moment can have ripple effects that last many 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 mm -hmm. lifetimes I love sharing this, but I know it's like super like <laughs> woo woo. And I don't out know there. though. I don't know. I mean, so, and I, I'm so sorry for just always going back to, to science, but you know, I, I love, I love what I do and I'm, I'm a big um, methods nerd, but uh, so one of my goals, particularly this year, my um, advisor, her theme for me this year is become unsettled and um, I love it. I, I'm trying to do a lot of work to learn about how I am colonized, how my mindset is colonized, uh, and how science is colonized and mental health is colonized and approaching it from a lens of indigeneity. Um, and so right now in particular, I'm working through learning more about decolonial and ind indigenous methods of research. Um, and one of the most important tenets of this is that we know things in many different ways. Uh, for a long time, um, science, the field of science, mental health, public health, uh, biology, chemistry, but particularly I think of public health because we do have to know how to interact and care for people who are outside of the academy. But we focused on this one way of knowing. Uh, the way of knowing that is replicable, that looks good uh, when you publish in a large journal that you can put in a textbook. And there are other ways of knowing things that we might not be able to test in a lab or measure with a survey or even really capture in an interview or a bunch of interviews, indigenous methods honor the understanding that people hold knowledge, 
gain knowledge, express knowledge in ways that don't look like what we're used to looking for. And this experience of being so close to death is an experience of learning and knowing in a way that doesn't make sense to traditional Euro-Western science. It's why it sounds a little woo-woo, right? But I absolutely believe there is tremendous value in learning to perceive someone else's knowing and way of knowing. And that the ability to share that with people, the ability to cross a bridge to share in a way that makes sense to people who don't know the way you know, it's really important and it's very valuable because you're the only person who knows what you know. And you're going to be the only person unless you share it with someone else. And therein lies the struggle. I have been exploring for a long time, like, what do I call myself? You know, like, (laughs) I could use the word channel, right? I could say I'm a channel because according to the definitions generally accepted, I mean, I am, but I don't resonate with that. I could call myself all sorts of things, but it's all just a little snip and a little snip. And we look at the world because we've been conditioned to, to see things in all these different containers. And so when somebody just that people don't know what to do with you, when you just (laughs) are, you know, when you're bigger than your title, it's like, how do I make sense of you? How do I contain you? How do I control you? And so it's, it's just this habitual programming. And I would love to have you back and talk about any of the things, any of the times, because, you know, I didn't, I didn't go the route of science, not because I wouldn't do well at it or be interested in it. It just wasn't my path. And that's the thing is I understand how people's paths work out. And I can see that people oftentimes will say, poor me, or I'm so privileged, right? As you said at the beginning, you know, you're very privileged and you appreciate that you recognize that. A lot of people will say, oh, because of this circumstance, I am this way, whether it's desirable or undesirable. And for me, I understand that all of it is a gift. And I never sat around and beat the drum of poor, poor, pitiful Mm -hmm. me, poor me, I'm living on my own at 16. And like, poor me, you know, I'm in a dangerous situation. Poor me, I'm so hurt. It's not dismissing people's emotions. I mean, Mm -hmm. shit hurts. That's no joke, right? Like we all go through it. But then when you come through something to be able on the other side to have that reflection, be able to say, that was a gift here's what I learned. And Mm -hmm. now I'm moving on and moving on. And that's what I learned through my dying experience Mm -hmm. is the key to life is that every single person, the way God works, the code, whatever, whatever, every single person has access to that same high consciousness, that same high vibration, that same frequency when they choose to when they allow themselves to, but you, there's so much to that. And I 
have been wanting for the longest time to be able to speak with the academics and the people who did who did go to university and did go through the traditional route of education and and can be quantifiable, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever the word is, because I just lived, you know, I just went out into the world unequipped and with God, God, like I never saw it that way, but I now understand, you know, through all of the crises I've lived through all of the experiences that I've lived all of the gifts and the wisdom that was passed down, but it comes in snippets. It comes in moments. You know, it's funny. One of my pet peeves is when people go to someone who's going through something difficult and they say everything happens for a reason. And honestly, I don't buy that. I think sometimes things happen because they happen and the world can be really painful, but I think we can give everything a reason. We can give everything a purpose. Absolutely. And we do it, whether we do it consciously or not, we're always giving our stories purpose and reason. What the purpose is and what the reason is, that is the bigger question. And that is what most people don't want to look at. Lots of great stuff in there, don't you think? I encourage you now to take some time to reflect upon a significant challenge you have overcome in your life and the lessons you learned through it. How have these lessons already supported you and how can you apply these insights to current and future challenges? We'd love to hear what comes up for you. So join us in the private Growth Seekers Welcome Membership Community or share it with us on the socials using the hashtag Growth Seekers Welcome. If you receive value from this episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with friends and family who might also benefit from the wisdom expressed. Your thoughtful rating and review is always appreciated as it helps conscientious growth seekers like you find our channel. Tune in tomorrow to listen as Nicole and I discuss transcending judgment and the path to inner peace and global harmony.